welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. Our reading today comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 47. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. As said before, my name's Kate, for those who don't know. And I haven't been at Seeds my whole life, like many of my peers. I actually started coming to Seeds when I was 15. I just moved to Adelaide to attend boarding school, and I started coming to excess. I was a scared, anxious bundle of stress, 15-year-old. And then on my first night of excess, I met my small group leader, Beth. Meeting Beth changed my life. She invested in me. She cared about me and cared about the things I cared about. She challenged me to go beyond my comfort zone and explore who God was. She showed me the kind of person I wanted to be, a person who follows God. Meeting Beth changed my life. And in the reading we heard today, We heard about the response of the disciples and the crowds in Jerusalem and how their lives changed because they met someone. Their lives changed because they encountered God. Now, this story is often referred to as the story of Pentecost. And we kind of heard the second half of that story. And basically what had just happened was the Holy Spirit, God in spirit form, had come down upon the people. And this was seen with them hearing each other speak in their native tongues. The crowd responded, confused, asking what it all meant. And some of them wondered, were they drunk? Peter, one of the disciples who had been with Jesus, walked along with Jesus, rebuked these remarks and said essentially, no, they're not drunk. 
In fact, this is God's spirit, just as promised by the prophets, coming down and living in these people. We heard the second part, and this was kind of the tail end of Peter's declaration of the spirit. And then we heard about how the crowd responded. We heard about the change they made in their behavior as a response to meeting someone who changed their life. Meeting and encountering God. Now, encountering God isn't always some big, massive, one-off thing. It can be a big thing. But encountering God can also be small. It can be subtle. Encountering God could be in the flutter of butterfly wings. The silly wave your grandma does as you leave. Or the unexplained peace you get when life throws a curveball. Encountering God can be in the big and the small. Because encountering God is an everyday, every moment opportunity. It's inviting God into every aspect of our lives to have his love with us and equip us as we walk, to have him live in us. In my story of walking with God, I don't have some big, massive event where my life changed like that. Instead, I have a journey that I'm doing every day of exploring what God is saying and seeing his work in the world. God and his spirit is the one who transforms, not a single moment. And that's why here at Seeds, our mission is to bring people to Jesus to be transformed into his passionate disciples. It's because God is the one who brings about change. Encountering him, walking with him, is how we are changed. And it's how the world is transformed. It's like, if I had just met my small group leader, Beth, just that one time, and never saw her again, I can almost guarantee I would not be up here today. But because of that continued relationship, I'm here and I am following Jesus. It's, encountering God isn't about a perfect moment. It's about a continued relationship, a continued pursuit of God. And this is what we see in the passage we heard today. Yes, the people had a moment, but their faith continued in a movement. They continued to follow and pursue God. Because encountering God isn't a one-off thing. It's a relationship. And it's part of being a disciple. Now, sometimes in Christian circles, we can get caught up in fancy terms. When I was growing up, I thought disciples were some dead dudes from the past or like the evil henchmen to a master villain in movies. And that was because my education was veggie tales or fantasy movies. But this definition of a disciple is nothing compared to what we're talking about. A passionate disciple. Now, the Cambridge Dictionary defines a disciple as a person who believes in the ideas and principles of someone and tries to live the way that that person does. It also suggests that a disciple can be defined as a learner, a student, or apprentice. 
To me, this sounds very different to some dead dudes or evil henchmen. Instead, it highlights that a disciple is a lifelong learner. It's not a routine or an expectation. It's an active choice. And the good thing about good learners is they ask questions. Now, recently, I heard about a youth who came to faith in their teenage years, and no one had ever taught them how to pray. All they'd seen about prayer was in movies. And one day they came to their youth leader and asked this question, how can I pray for a long time? Because my knees keep hurting from kneeling. All they had seen was people in movies praying on the ground. But then they asked a question. And some of us here might think, well, that's a dumb question. But like your teachers said in school, there are no dumb questions. Because every question creates an opportunity for growth, an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to get closer to God. It's also important not to be afraid to make mistakes. Because mistakes are how we learn. They're how we grow. And the reality is, mistakes are going to happen. We're going to fall short. We're going to stuff up sometimes. But a learner knows to grow from mistakes, to seek progression, not perfection. It's not something with an endpoint. Learning is an always happening process. Being a disciple of Jesus is being a learner a student, an apprentice. It means following how he lived and learning from what he did. And this is what we see the people in the passage trying to do. They are learners, learning to be like God. In life, we all have teachers. Yes, at school, but also in all other areas of our lives. We all have something or someone who is informing or teaching how we do things. And it's important in life to know who our teachers are. Otherwise, it can feel like we're on our L's and we've got mum and dad in the car and they're both giving directions, different directions. And if you don't know who the teacher is, you don't know who to follow and it can get very, very messy. We need to know who our teacher is so that we know who to follow. And the question becomes, is Jesus our teacher? Is the voice that we're following God? Or is it someone else or something else? Now, it's very easy for us to say, yeah, it's Jesus. But the thing about learning is what we put our time into, is what we learn. Now, I could say I'm learning guitar, but if I don't actually get a music teacher and put in the hours, you don't want to see me on band next week. Our actions reveal our learning. It's why at school they make you do assignments. Our learning is shown through our actions. Our actions reflect our learning and who we're following. It's like, I could say, I am a massive Adelaide Crows fan. But if I don't cheer for them, if I don't follow them or go to their games, am I really their follower? 
in our lives, we need to be living a life for Jesus. But if our actions don't reflect that, are we really following him? In the passage we read today, we hear about the actions, the active decisions taken by the people in response to encountering God. The first thing we hear them do is repent and be baptised. And this is something we're called to do. And often we can overcomplicate what baptism is. But in simple terms, baptism is choosing to take an action to show ourselves, others, and God that we are choosing him to be our teacher, him to be the one we are following. It's not about waiting for a perfect moment or for us to be perfect. It's simply taking a step to declare our trust in Jesus. And I encourage you, if you haven't been baptised before and you call Jesus your teacher, now is as good a moment as any to be baptised. The story that we heard from Brenton continued and we ended up hearing what the people did beyond just a single moment. We heard about their movement of pursuing God. And they did several different actions. The first one was devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They spent time exploring and unpacking Jesus' teaching. And this is something we get to do. We can read the Bible. We can share the Bible with others and listen to each other's ideas of what we're hearing from it and explore what it might say. The next thing they did was fellowship. Our God is a relational God, and we are relational people. We're not meant to do this alone. And that's why it's so important to gather together to celebrate and worship God, but also to come together to support and encourage each other to do life together. And this means gathering like we are here today. But it's also why small groups are so important. Why catching up for coffee or going for walks, hanging out, having a meal is so important. We're not meant to do this alone. We're meant to do this with each other and God. The next thing they did was the breaking of bread. And at Seeds, we do this in communion. And it's an action that we take to remind us of God's grace, of his love, and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. The next thing they did was prayer. Talking and time together is how you build any relationship and it's how you build a relationship with God. We need to spend time intentionally sharing and listening from God. We need to hear what he says and he wants to hear what we want to say. And this can look different for so many people. It could be journaling, it could be going for walks, talking out loud, talking in your head. There are so many ways that we get to pray and share our lives with God. They then saw signs and wonders and were filled with awe. They took action to celebrate all the incredible wonders they were seeing. And in our world, we have so much beauty and God's wonder and miracles And it's so important that we take time to pause, to stop and celebrate 
all that God is doing in our lives. The next thing they did was give. We all have times in our lives where we're lacking something. And that's why we are called, just as the early church, to support each other's needs and the needs of the world. The final thing they did together was eat. There is power in sharing a meal together. There is power in gathering together and having those intimate conversations. And we have an incredible opportunity after the service to gather together, to get a coffee, get a biscuit, and share in this time together, together with God. And these several seven different practices are things that we can do. They're not just for the early church. They're stuff that we can do to help us grow in relationship with God, to help us be a passionate disciple. These actions aren't something that the early church just thought were a good idea. They were modelled after the life Jesus lived. These actions are actions that aren't just a good idea. They are actions that reflect a life lived following Jesus. They're not about creating a checklist or ticking things off. They are about creating space for God to intervene. And it's so important that we keep God as the centre, keep God as what we're seeking, not the practice. You know, I love worship. I love the songs as much as the next person. But worship should be an expression of our relationship with God not a substitute. We need to not get caught up in the doing, but instead be. Be present with God. Spend time with him because a one-sided relationship isn't a relationship. These practices are more than a list. They are about adopting a heart attitude demonstrated in our actions. What we value, what we trust in becomes our behaviour. It's like if you value sun cream, you're going to wear it. Not out of routine, but because you know of the importance of having it in your life. Doing these actions isn't a one and done thing. Discipling ourselves, being a learner of God is an everyday thing. It's more than a Sunday worship service. It's more than a good worship playlist. It's more than a good coffee. It's being a disciple of God. Discipling ourselves, which comes from a personal relationship with God. And the thing about being a disciple is it doesn't stop with us. Just like Jesus showed, we are to be disciples who disciple others. And that's why our mission Our heart here at Seeds is to bring people to Jesus so that they can understand God's love and be his passionate disciple. Being a disciple who disciples others is like how my small group leader, Beth, invested in me. And then I had the opportunity to invest in my small group girls who are now first-year leaders investing in a new generation. Being a disciple all about investing, investing in God and investing in others. It's intentionally seeking God 
and encouraging others to seek God for themselves. And like our relationship with God, discipling others takes time and commitment. It's not a one-and-done thing. Discipling others is a movement, not a moment. It takes time. It takes giving up stuff. And it takes doing these seven practices. Because discipling isn't about people having a single moment with God. Yes, a single moment can ignite change. But it's the continual relationship with God that keeps the fire burning. This is why follow-through is so important. We need to stop waiting for the perfect moment, but understand that every moment is a moment God can intervene. And it's the relationship with him, the continued relationship, where the change happens. We need to be doing life together alongside people who we are discipling, not leaving them after a moment. We need to be doing these seven practices together, just like the early church. We need to follow through, not follow up. Because it's not about ticking a checkbox. It's about a relationship. It takes showing up in the way that they need, not the way that we want. I have a friend who is leading and discipling someone, and they don't really like drama, but this young person loves drama. And my friend, they understand this idea that showing up needs to be what the person you're discipling needs, not what you want. So they've been going to every drama performance because they know that what that young person needs is someone who shows up. We need to be doing this because we need to be valuing others just as God values them. Because if we don't, we end up viewing them as a prize or a tally on our tick box. And when we do that, we start using people and loving things instead of loving people and using things. Discipling others isn't a way to earn points. Instead, it's a beautiful journey of encouraging and sharing God's love with others. And like learning to be a disciple ourselves, discipling others is a learning process. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall short. And our story today that we heard from the Bible shows the early church thriving, but there's also stories of them failing, of them stuffing up. The disciples who were with Jesus, they messed up many, many times. Peter, the one we heard declaring God's truth, he stuffed up more times than I can count. Being a disciple and discipling others is being a learner who learns from our mistakes. But it's not just being any learner. It's a learner who walks with God every day. And that's why this passage is so important. They weren't doing it all on their own. God was with them and in them, just as he's in us. And like them, he equips us. He loves us. He is our strength in our failings. He is the one who makes a way when all roads seem closed. And these seven practices that we see the early church doing, 
They are simply actions that we can take to help us create space in our busyness, in our mess, to see God at work. They help us make space to partner with him and share his love with others. They are tools to help us show God to the world. But they themselves are not God. In 1935, there was a primary school teacher in Rwanda who encountered God and changed his behaviour. He adopted these practices like the early church and after a week of prayer, he emerged a changed man. He began to confess his sins and share the good news of Jesus' love with the world. And from this, a revival broke out. Now this man, he used these seven practices to help himself be present to what God was doing, but they were never the goal. The focus always remained Jesus. In our lives, we have mess. We face challenge. But we also have a God who is bigger, a God who is present and wants to partner with us. And as we go into our week, I encourage us all, in person, online, and myself, to think about these three questions. What is one practice that we can try to explore or build our relationship with God this week? Am I being present to God as my teacher and foundation? And finally, is there someone I need to be intentionally discipling? Now, this teacher in Rwanda, his time in ministry was short-lived. After several weeks of him ministering, he died. But just like his story and the story of the early church, God was the one who transformed beyond anything that they could see. And it's still having an impact today. In our lives, we get the opportunity to encounter a God who is with us in the everyday. We have a God who transforms our lives and also the lives of those around us. In a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to continue in worship. And this is an opportunity to take an action, to step into this relationship with God and declare that he is our teacher. Before we worship, I'll pray. Dear God, Thank you for all that you are doing. Thank you that you are the one who is bigger than anything we have faced. That you are the one who can guide us. God, we thank you for your love and for your sacrifice. Thank you that you equip us even when we don't feel qualified. God, I just pray that as we continue in worship with you, we would know your presence and that we would be able to take that into our lives so that in every moment we are encountering you and sharing your love with the world. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.